0: Uh, As I mentioned this morning, we are going to do a deeper dive on really what was the main theme of the book of Philemon, which was about a mature Christian in Philemon being persuaded or encouraged and exhorted to reconcile and forgive and take back Onesimus. Uh, Next slide there, uh, we'll take a look at some of the things I'd like us to talk about. We're going to really do two things tonight. Uh, First is going to get some of your responses to this morning's message. Some of the key takeaways, maybe, from what you guys got, as well as the question of, well, why is Philemon in the Bible? It's a very quick one. I had one guy at the door tell me he didn't even know this was a book in the Bible. Uh, You can see where sometimes you just glance right over it, you know, when you're flipping around and stuff like that. So we're going to talk about that uh, just as a way to remind ourselves, what did we hear? Why is this letter significant? But we're going to spend the bulk of our time tonight in thinking through a little deeper on the idea of forgiveness and reconciliation, not an easy thing. And in many ways, I hope that uh, you guys here actually won't need to use the things that we talk about tonight. Uh, But this side of eternity, of course, unfortunately, uh, that's often not going to be the case. And we need to know, whether for ourselves or as we walk alongside others, what are the factors we think through on this idea of forgiveness and reconciliation? If you were in the class I did about a year, year and a half ago on redemptive relationships, Uh, In the Sunday School Hour, you remember some of the things that we talk about tonight. But before we dive in with these questions to get some of your takeaways and why this book's in the Bible, let me open it some prayer. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for another opportunity that we have to come together, uh, to sing praises to you, to pray to you, and to consider in your word how we are then to live. Uh, We pray that you would encourage us tonight, help us to be truthful to your word, help us to be, um, again, encouraging to each other, and help us to take what we learned today. And use it uh, for your glory In Jesus name we pray, amen So I think Pastor Dave has the microphone Going around and we have Luke as well Now tonight uh, you're going to be Interacting hopefully a lot throughout the evening Uh, I know that usually when Pastor Brett's up here It's just usually in the beginning But just so you guys know, uh, you guys should keep the microphones Because I'll have a lot of questions to dialogue and interact with you guys Uh, Some of that is that's just what I like to do Is a lot of that interaction uh, Unless I'm up there preaching But some of it's this is the third time tonight that I'm teaching uh, tonight, today, that is, I did the Sunday school and then the, the sermon. Steve, I think you've done that sometimes before too, right? The triple-double, as I like to call it. And so uh, interacting and involving you guys will certainly be a, a, something that's a, a way to kind of encourage and teach each other there. So uh, we got these two guys with the microphones. Question for you guys, just as a response to today's message, what do you think were some of the key takeaways or what were some key takeaways for you from what you heard this morning? Or, or the other question is, why is this letter to Philemon in the Bible? It's always a good uh, idea for us when we're reading a whole book of the Bible or a certain passage. Why is this here? So any of those are fair game. Opening it up to you guys and uh, see who wants to take a first crack at that with the takeaways. Or why is this book here uh, in the Bible? Got Dan Poling over here. Yeah,
1: uh, one. uh, Thank you for preaching this morning. Uh, one key takeaway, it seemed to me, um, from this was, if God is willing to use um, Paul's attempts to be persuasive, then um, he might he might also use my attempts to be persuasive. So, in whether it's in evangelism or in helping with discipling, I should intend to be persuasive and try to use
0: tactics of persuasion for for good. <laughs> Uh, not, not always easy. It, it, sometimes, as I mentioned, it's a little easier just to tell people what to do. You have uh, your son there, and anyone who's a parent of young kids—how uh, often is it we just want to yeah, just do this? And that might be the appropriate thing sometimes. Uh, but oftentimes, it's the harder thing to do to persuade, isn't it? it? Requires a lot more thoughtfulness, a lot of more elbow grease than we'd like to admit. There. Okay. So, so if, if the Lord can use uh, persuasion from Paul, then we should be thinking about that as well. Is that Garrett back there?
2: Yeah, just to tack on to that, um, I really appreciate the reminder uh, or the example more so of Paul's humility in this persuasion. And that kind of goes along with what you were saying about uh, you know, not, not stressing the fact that he is an authority, but really putting, uh, humbling himself and, and putting himself on the same playing field as Philemon as he tries to persuade him. Uh, to do to forgive and and to make reconciliation oh.
0: yeah i mean he wants philemon to humble himself too to take back Onesimus, and so he had to be willing to do the same yeah i have failed in this area too as a pastor and husband and father you ever heard the phrase like if you have to remind people what your title is that means you're you're really not doing a good job at that you're probably really not a good leader there then you know you, you shouldn't have to do that uh, but in this case here, he, he actually you know, gives that up and identifies there as, as a prisoner there. Other thoughts, key takeaways, or questions, why is this book in the Bible? Other thoughts there? We have Zach Harmon in the back there.
1: Three for free, three so night, guys with kids. Doing good here,
0: Jason. That's true. If for some reason, all the people the young kids are. Or maybe you guys need We got to get our or, observations. Or, since or you're now. doing really good in this. We have to just... get our
1: observations now. You don't know what we'll be doing in five minutes. That's true. Um, my, a key takeaway I took was um, the, the redefined relationship in Christ. You know, Paul touched on. He's no longer your bondservant. This is your brother. You know, and he's my brother, and he's, you know, he's my heart. Um, and just the redefinition that happens when someone does dedicate their life to Christ, and how it doesn't only change their relationship to Christ, it also changes their relationship to fellow Christians. Uh,
0: Yeah, and you know, in some ways I'm sure that, you know, if Anustimus went back, he was still his slave, so he had to report to him still, but is not that make such a difference? I mean, you look around the room even tonight, and of course I have a better view of that, there's so many different people here, at different ages and stages of life from different parts of the country, Uh, but when we have that union in Christ, in theory there is a certain bond there, isn't there? a certain union there. Uh, And it's when we forget who we are in Christ and that that before the Lord that we're all the same, uh, that we tend to, uh, that impacts our fellowship. I remember there was a guy, I won't name who he was, but he went downstairs to the youth room. Uh, This is when Mike and Sarah Dickinson were leading the young adult group. And he gets down there and there must have been 10 other young adults. And he just leaves pretty quickly because he took a quick scan and I guess he knew a lot of these people. He's like, I've got nothing in common with these people. There's a problem there, isn't it? I mean, if this guy's a Christian, what do you mean you have nothing in common with these people? I mean, I get what he's saying. Maybe they don't like the same sports or the same, you know, this or that. Uh, but in theory, you have everything to talk about uh, if you're, you're, you're remembering who you are in Christ. And again, that's what Paul wanted Philemon to do there. Other thoughts here, key takeaways, or why is this book in the Bible? Yeah, Luke?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, just thinking about um, how Paul addresses... or. Uh, Philemon identifies with being a prisoner um, or a really a a bondservant, a slave to to Christ, how how he compels Philemon as Onesimus is a slave to Philemon. But yet Paul is and once was a member of the high Pharisees. I mean, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was he was in a class amongst many other people and yet to be in arrest and to say he's a prisoner for Christ. How much more humble can you be? And then to ask Philemon to, to follow through. I mean, that's a pretty strong case when you say I'm a slave for Christ except this slave who is also my heart, which is another another incredible uh, expression towards a slave from a Pharisee
0: of Pharisees no I mean this is some graduate level Christianity right we're not talking about some head knowledge and big words that you learn in seminary we're talking actually putting into practice what you claim to believe and here's a man as you're saying who was once the highest of high society now willing to identify as a prisoner and associate and call a slave a, a dear brother and someone who's his heart there I mean that again that's putting into practice all that belief there right anyone want to take a crack at the idea or the question of why is this letter in the Bible why are these 25 verses in the Bible? Yeah, Paul. Paul, I knew you were going to answer this one. So, so tell us the answer here.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't know. I just feel like maybe we all struggle with this, this whole idea of forgiveness, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, the, the natural reaction of the, of the unsaved person uh, is to just lash out. You know, it's all about me and all this kind of stuff. And, so, and we carry that with us as we get into the Christian life, and we struggle with that. Yeah, we want to grow in this, and we need to grow in this. But maybe this is just a good reminder that, uh, you know, let's be kind. Let's be loving. Let's be forgiving. Let's back off, not be so strong, and find a way to serve others rather than I'm always right, you know, huh. and, uh, which is a real Dutch thing. Sorry. How
0: that. many of you would sign a document that in order to join Trinity Baptist, Has said, to join our church, you have to believe that you're always right? How many of you would sign that document? If Brett or I were preaching that, or Jory or Dave were preaching that, and you said you're always right, would you talk to us afterwards, or maybe even walk out? Yeah, but you are, are you? No, I mean, when it comes to basketball. But anyway, uh, no, that's a long time ago. But it's crazy, isn't it? We wouldn't sign that document, but sometimes our actions are showing that's actually what we believe. I was listening to a message by John MacArthur, and he was talking about how of all the divine attributes that we humans are able to share with God, those communicable attributes, we're never more divine than when we forgive. It's a fascinating thing there, isn't it? It makes sense. It's just so hard. That's why we're doing this and talking tonight more. So who, does anyone else? I think I saw another hand about why is this uh, letter to Philemon in the Bible?
4: Um, um, I think it, it goes along with what you're saying is being a graduate level you know, that you have per, a person here who's a follower of Christ and he hasn't forgiven. How, what kind of a role model is he? <clears throat> and it applies in our own lives whether it's with fellow workers, with your with your family. You know that when there's the forgiveness hasn't been given you're still wor- working with those people and you're still living with these people but you're not having the same relationship that you have if you when you've cleared it up and, have, and forgiveness has been given. Oh. And I think it's just really important that he, he touches on something that's relevant to us in our daily lives. He's given us this message. Oh.
0: Yeah, I love it when, you know, there, there's some books in the Bible that are historical narrative. There's some that's wisdom literature. There's some that's, uh, you know, pistol with a lot of commands, like do this, do this, don't do that, and stuff like that. I love when the Bible shows examples of people actually doing it. It's different than the, the command, isn't it? The command is easy enough to know. But when you actually see people do it, that's really encouraging. And that's what I mentioned this morning about these podcast episodes we've been doing over the last couple of years. These are people in the church who are at least trying, and I think by God's grace, faithfully pursuing the Lord amid what they're doing. This is not some big-name author you know, who's, who doesn't come to this church. These are people, and these names, and you can go through our episodes. These are people you know. These are many of the people that are here tonight. That there's hopefully an encouragement there Let's go to the next slide here And think through this idea of forgiveness We have three questions here I just wanted to hear from you guys And again I'm going to have the microphone runners continue to go around and want to hear from you guys And talk through these questions together uh, And really thinking through Are forgiveness and reconciliation the same thing? Are forgiveness and reconciliation the same thing? What would you guys say to that? I'm hearing a lot of no's Why is that? Okay, one is unilateral, and what do you mean by that? Forgiveness, does not the other person to do forgiveness doesn't require the other person to do something. Okay, forgiveness doesn't require the other person to do something. And why is that? Because only you can forgive. Okay. You're responsible for your own actions there, maybe, is what Lord's saying. Okay. Why else is, is, is if you agree with what Dan said, this idea that forgiveness is was it unilateral? Okay, um, Why is that?
3: Yeah, Paul? I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe it's a one-way thing. Okay. About that. I, think maybe, I wonder if it's a one-way thing. Yeah, I'm willing to forgive you, and then I just drop it and forget it and wander on, you know. But reconciliation means I've got to try to restore this somehow. So it takes hard work maybe on both parties. So forgiveness is, yeah, I forgive you. Okay, we're done. Whereas reconciliation is taking it a step or two further and doing something with it to try to mend, Um, do more than just say, yeah, okay, I forgive you. Some
0: of what Paul is getting at is it it, could be that reconciliation and forgiveness are different in the sense that one is requiring maybe a lot more uh, than the other. Other thoughts here? Are these the same thing? Well,
1: um, on reconciliation, the word there, it's um, re, again, con, with, take counsel together, or to speak with. So it requires two different people to be together again.
0: Okay, so maybe one thought is, is forgiveness, is it just one-sided? Is I forgive you, right? Possibly, right? A lot of different thoughts here, but how how would you guys define forgiveness or reconciliation? How do you define that word? What does that mean? Yeah.
5: (laughs) To me, forgiveness is not letting that person define my life. If they have done me wrong in some manner, that means I can live with that, I can forgive them, I can deal with it, I don't have to be defined by what they think of me. Um, My mind and my heart are set free, and there is no more animosity against that person. That doesn't mean necessarily that I've forgotten what they've done, but I can put that to rest in my heart and in my mind hmm. and, um, and show no ill will toward that person and, and not feel bad about it. <laughs> hmm. it, it. It frees your soul and it frees your mind.
0: Oh. Any thoughts on reconciliation and what that means?
5: There are some times where I've forgiven somebody in my past, but I wasn't able to reconcile with them because they were unwilling to reconcile back. Um, When a person is unwilling to reconcile, there's nothing, there's not really anything you can do about it, but you can still forgive them.
0: Okay. Other thoughts? How would you define forgiveness or reconciliation? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if
1: this is necessarily defining them, but I mean, the idea of reconciliation is that idea of you're reconnecting with someone. And forgiveness is what I'm thinking about someone. So there's that sense of what everybody's been saying, like, the one is, it's more internal, or it's, I, I have to do this. And the other is, there's a, a recon, uh, reconnection, um, working together aspect of it.
0: Oh, yeah, so maybe one is more about the attitude and heart. The other one almost seems to be transactional. I think we had Heather back there. Heather over there. And then Garrett after that.
6: I was thinking of Matthew 18 and forgiveness being... Releasing someone from a debt that they owe you.
0: Releasing somebody from a debt that they owe you.
6: You're not going to hold it against them.
0: You won't hold it against them. Yeah. An attitude there, right? Now, no one is saying that you just read that verse and then bam, it happens. It takes time. It takes encouragement, by the way, from the body. It takes maybe examples. Maybe we need examples in our life of how people have done it and we can troubleshoot. Hey, was it that easy for you? Was it just kind of one moment this, one moment? No, probably not. And we need those stories right, yeah Garrett
2: I to, actually was going to say the same thing. Heather was forgiveness in my mind is the cancellation of a debt that uh, someone that you have with someone, and then the second one reconciliation what comes to mind is a restoration of relationship or a restoring of what was there previously, and whether or not it 's the exact same um, or even better, there could be different levels of reconciliation or. None at all. So the cancellation of a debt and then restoration of relationship.
0: Yeah, Tracy, I'm a little nervous now what she's going to say about forgiveness and my maybe.
6: With that idea of the cancellation of a debt, for me practically, I've had to say it is my choice and maybe even my repeated choice. You said it's not always easy to again and again and again choose not to bring up against someone else the wrong they've done, even in my own mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, choose not to bring up. Again, who, that's not easy. That's not easy. I think we have Katie over there. Carol was up first. Oh, Carol was first. Sorry, yes. Okay.
4: Okay, we are reconciled to God through the work of Christ. Right. He provided a means of reconciliation, but it requires action on our part as well. Oh. So there's a, you can use that as your example.
0: Many uh, times in the did. Gospels and Acts, we have what? Repentant belief. In other words, you, there has to be repentance there. Otherwise, God is, well, what, what's going on? Are you, you really believe what you, you say. Yeah, Katie?
6: I was just going to say, for the believer, yes, it's a choice. Forgiveness is a choice, but it's more so a duty. We're told we are to forgive as God has forgiven us. And so to look at it as a duty, it's my duty if I say that I believe in Christ and his atoning work on the cross and his resurrection, and I'm choosing to follow him, then it's our duty to forgive.
0: Is it our duty to reconcile? I'm hearing some yeses and some no's. Let's move on to the next slide and maybe, maybe get some more answers here as we go forward. So again, we're going to keep thinking through how do we encourage each other, how do we equip each other as we're thinking through whether it's for ourselves or walking alongside a friend. How do you think through whether you forgive, reconcile, and you know, all these kinds of things here? Now here's a house here. I don't know that it's in Grand Rapids here, but I want you to imagine that you want to buy this house. Okay? The mortgage rates have gone, are they 6.5 now or what are they? 7.5. They went back up. Okay, 7.5. Yeah, now some of you who had a house in the 80s are thinking you guys are spoiled brats. It was what, 12%, 15%, whatever it may have been. So you want to buy this house. Now I want you to imagine the only factor you weigh as to whether you want this house is the number of bathrooms. Is that a good idea? Or what's the problem there? It can be a good idea. The only thing I'm thinking is bathroom. Yeah, What? If there's only two of you, okay? Other thoughts? If the only thing I'm thinking about is the number of bathrooms, is that a good idea when trying to buy a house? The quality, the quality of the bathrooms? Okay, I didn't think about that, but you're right. Other thought. Yeah, Garrett? How much do these bathrooms cost? <laughs> yeah, well, I might be thinking how much does the whole thing cost, right? The whole house there, but you know, the cost there, right? It's, it's too narrow. It's too narrow. Why is that? Well, you're only thinking about one thing. The house is way more than that. The house is way more than that. Yeah, I think we understand we're buying a house. There's a lot of factors. I mean, the school district, uh, the crime, the safety. Uh, for me, is there a cemetery right behind it? Uh, we were looking at a house that was wonderful in, in Providence, and then there was a cemetery right behind it. So every time you're in your backyard, you're just looking over there. And I grew up scared of these things. And so we decided, uh, you know, that's not going to happen there, right? But, uh, you know, for my wife, it would be the number of windows, I never even thought about that when I bought this condo in Grand Rapids when I was single, but the number of windows and and how light feels. So this one in Providence, well, there's a lot of windows. We need to make sure to rectify that there, right? The idea there is that we would go into buying a house knowing full well, don't just take one thing into account. And I feel like one of the things we need to be careful of here when we think about forgiveness, much less reconciliation, is sometimes, even though it's a good thing, we only think of one factor, which is, as some of you have said, and by the way, it's theologically correct, we'll forgive as God forgives. And that's correct there. That, that, is, that is a big gun here, as it were. But should that be the only thing that we think about? Let's go to the next slide here. And so when we're thinking about factors in terms of forgiveness and reconciliation, I'm going to go over some five main points here tonight. One of the things we've got to think about here is considering the whole counsel of Scripture. Colossians 3.13, as I read this morning, forgive as the Lord forgives you, that is indeed in Scripture. Is that the only thing, though, we should consult? Next slide, please. We see here some passages. Now I want to be clear, there's probably tons of other passages that we could go through. But what I would like you guys to do now, as we think about considering the whole council of Scripture, and as it relates to our ideas of forgiveness and reconciliation, is for you guys to take some time in small groups here, of three to five, to read through these passages. And so we have in the top top four there, if you guys are on this side, to my left, uh, get in groups and kind of read through those passages there, think about what it is that you see. And then if you guys are to my right, get in small groups of three to five and read the passages in the bottom there. And we're going to take about, you know, a few minutes here, uh, talk about in your group what themes you see there, and then we'll come back together and share with each other. And what I want to do is when we come back is have some people in your groups actually read aloud these passages so we have it fresh in our mind as we think about this. Okay, so take a few minutes and we'll come back and, and check on each other there. Okay, well, I'm sure there's a lot more that could be discussed and uh, maybe these give you some ideas to study some further. But let's come back together now and see what we came up with. Let's start with the passages on the top of the screen there, on the top there. Uh, Dave's got the microphone. Uh, Dave, can, you, um, uh, can we get a few volunteers here to read those passages for us if you, uh, if you have them? Just raise your hand if you've got one, and Dave will uh, go over to you. That way we can all hear what the passage was there. So does somebody have Romans twelve eighteen now, for us? Why
1: don't I just sit right here and have these four
0: that would be wonderful. So they, yeah, they you, you volunteered them. Yeah, I volunteered okay. them. Okay. So what we have Romans okay, twelve eighteen here, and we expect Mary Poling type of uh, oh. uh, reading here. Yes. I don't know about that. You don't know what that means? Okay. Yes, no, I just do just know reading. what that means. Okay. I just don't
6: know if I can do it. <laughs> if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all.
4: I have Proverbs um, nineteen eleven. A person's insight gives him patience, and his virtue is to overlook an offense. And I have Matthew eighteen fifteen through 17. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector.
5: And I have Colossians 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye.
0: Okay, so what what do we see there? How does that contribute to our understanding here of thinking through forgiveness and reconciliation? What do we see there? Any contributions from those passages of Scripture into our understanding here? <laughs> Maybe not. I'll start it, but okay. just
6: that it's not An option to just um, stew about it or hold on to it. It's clear that we need to um, attempt to deal with it.
0: And how do we see that in one or any of those passages?
6: They all talk about forgiveness. Well, one is to overlook an offense. So then that would still not be holding on to it. Um, Living at peace with others, confronting others, forgiving as Christ forgave you.
0: And did you notice that you know Colossians 3, that's a command, but the Proverbs are general wisdom literature. And so you have commands as well as wisdom literature to kind of contribute here. Other thoughts here. How else did that contribute to our thinking of this matter? Yeah.
4: In, in the Matthew verses, it tells you, you know, to, to keep attempting, you know, to you know, present what the offense is to the person. And if they don't, then you to separate yourself from them. And I think the same thing holds true with the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. There are times that we always have to forgive, but that doesn't mean that that person, you know, if that person is detrimental to your life, you don't have to reconcile with them and and keep a relationship with them. But you do have to forgive them as Christ forgave.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a sense here, and you know, I think it was Romans 8, uh, Romans 12 there, about insofar as it's possible, live at peace with everybody. In you know, other that's not always going to be possible. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, maybe that's, that's on you there to have to work on that. Other times it's on them, right, to, uh, to have to work on there. And then, of course, Matthew 18 gets eventually that church discipline there. Uh, that sometimes, hey, that, that relationship is broken. And I don't have it up there, but there are some grounds for divorce in which that, that, that trust and that repair, I heard some people talk about abuse here, that there's something there uh, that's fractured, right? Let's go over to this side here. Can we uh, can we have a group of people read those passages there too? And I think you guys had it a little harder here, so forgive me. But let's see what you guys came up with. So let's uh, is is that group back there with Garrett reading it, or or what what are we doing?
1: I think we got it right here.
0: Okay. Sorry,
1: Don had his hand raised, but and come over, to you Don, if you would. Okay. Um, I have Hebrews eight twelve, which is also Jeremiah thirty one. Um, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more.
7: Judges ten six through 16.
0: Actually, you can just do 11 through 16. Sorry. Thank you.
5: <laughs>
0: it's a kindness to all of us, right?
7: The Lord said to the sons of Israel, Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians, the Amorites, the sons of Ammon, the Philistines? Also, when the... When the Sidonians, the Amalekites, the Ammonites oppressed you, you cried out to me, and I delivered you from their hands. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will no longer deliver you. Go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your distress. The sons of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you. Only please please deliver us this day. So they put away their foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And he could hear the, bear the misery of Israel no longer.
2: I have uh, 1 Corinthians 5.11. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not to even eat with such a one. And lastly, Galatians 5, 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh.
0: Okay, I'll explain that one. But what, um, what did you guys come up with in this side of the, of the uh, auditorium here? How does this contribute to our understanding here of forgiveness and reconciliation?
2: But there are very clear scenarios in which reconciliation is that you're, you're not supposed to reconcile. Like the, the brothers that, have, that claim to be Christians that are living a habitual lifestyle of sin, we actually are told to separate from them.
0: Not always easy. Sometimes if we don't objectively view somebody, we may maybe want to be in that, there, right? Other thoughts? Other thoughts? Yeah, Don.
8: verse, uh, I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. God cannot forget but he makes a conscious decision that he will not remember or recall my sin. His default setting is to forgive me for my sin if I ask for forgiveness. I think the other thing that that I really took out of the Judges uh, passage is the children of Israel were under great bondage because of their sin God had let them really get into some real distress But in verse 16, he says he could bear Israel's misery no more. God loved his people. He wanted them to turn their face to him. And once they did, he could not bear their misery.
0: Can you read verse 15 of that? Verse 15,
8: uh, but the Israelites said to the Lord, we have sinned. Do with us whatever you think best, but please rescue us now. Then they got rid of their foreign gods among them and served the Lord and he could bear their misery no more. God wanted to, do, he wanted desperately to forgive them. He needed them to ask for that forgiveness and to put their sin away, but he desperately wanted to forgive them.
0: Yeah, now I you notice in
8: that, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's the lesson we take into the Philemon uh, mm. book is Paul is saying, look, forgive him. If, if there was any sin in Onechemus, charge it to me. I will take it. Because I know that this man needs
0: to be forgiven. Yeah. And it appears that he probably made, made a what of a 180. He says that he's useful now. Uh, but one of the things you notice maybe in what Don just read there in Judges is that Israel got rid of all these idols. And then God, okay. So there's got to be some repentance here. There's going to be some change there for that reconciliation to take place there. Uh, otherwise, what are we talking about? And, and Don, I appreciate what you said about God forgetting. Of course, he can't. I mean, he doesn't forget. Uh, I've heard it explained that what he does is he treats you as though you did not sin. And so forgiving somebody is is treating them as though they did not do that to us. Uh, Or something along those those matters. A willingness to, to be in relationship there if there's that change. Yeah, Katie?
6: I think it's also very interesting that none of those passages talk about you personally being offended, therefore reconciliation doesn't have to happen. All of those passages talk about God being offended and Mm -hmm. how the law has been, um, not upheld. And that's when reconciliation is not okay. Um, I just know our society today is very quick to say, I'm going to cut this toxic person out of my life. Um, which definitely has its place for sure. But what standard are we holding that to? Are we holding that to our standard that we've come up with, what we're comfortable or not, or are we holding that to God's standard? Hmm.
0: Yeah. So the quick eject button of the cancel culture, right, that's not God's ways here either. Uh, I think some of you mentioned earlier this is a lot harder to have to reconcile uh, to actually work at it. Uh, the, really quickly, the Galatians 5 thing about walking in step with the Spirit, that's really the idea of progressive sanctification. The verb there is sort of a continual, gradual thing there. And, of course, we need to factor that in, too, right, when we think about this. Uh, next slide there to really kind of get at some of the ideas here. So as you can see, these are the passages we looked at. There's a lot of different things to look at here. And, of course, there's probably so many others you could add there. I do have wisdom on the bottom there because I think that kind of summarizes or, or, or says that we have to have some wisdom here. But the idea here is that just as you wouldn't buy a house with just one factor. When you're thinking through this for yourself or walking alongside others, please don't just go based on one verse or one passage. There's a lot of truth in God's word. We need the whole counsel uh, of Scripture here. The other thing I hope that we notice here is that both sides have a part to play. Uh, Sometimes I've heard in in the counseling room that, well, you know, I've I've confessed my sin. Will you take me back now? And what what the offending party there is doing, what? Is it putting all the onus on the offended party? I mean, that's just one of the saddest things I've ever heard uh, go on there, that somehow because I've confessed, that means that now you've got to take me back as though confession were the same as repentance or something like that. So both sides do have a part to play here. It's not right to just say it's all on one. Uh, sometimes we feel like it's all on the other, you know, defending party, and there, that's a lot of weight there, uh, but we need to be careful there as well. Now, in the interest of time, Eric, if you could just fast-forward all the way to the last slide there. Okay, we're going to go uh, past go here and just go all the way to the very last slide, and you'll know it's the last slide because it's this uh, big kind of video game-looking chart. There we are. This is the last slide here that I just wanted to end on, to really kind of capture some of the ideas here, and maybe some ideas here in in, in wisdom, and summarize what we've looked at in these passages here. The very top there, of course, you have the offense there. And both columns there, again, represent different roles that different parties have. If you look at the left side there, uh, the the offended party, of course, where there has to be a willingness to forgive. As we mentioned, Colossians 3.13 other passages, God forgives us. And so this is an unconditional kind of a, a granting of forgiveness there. Again, no one's saying it's easier. It happens instantaneously and all in one, you know, five-minute swoop there. But there's got to be a willingness to forgive, understanding who we are and how much God has forgiven us there. As some of you mentioned, you notice this is kind of an attitude in heart here. Uh, but, but here's the challenge there. The other side here also has to confess the sin, don't they? They need to acknowledge the sin as the sin. Sometimes people don't do that. And so how do you keep going then? As you can see the arrows there, if you look closely, how do you get down to that reconciliation if there's not even a confession or a willingness on the part of the offended party to forgive? And so we we start there really in the mind, the spirit, the heart, as you look at that chart there. A willingness to forgive. I'd even add here on the part of the offended party, uh, a willingness to acknowledge that this thing has actually happened. Sometimes we're kind of embarrassed that someone's done something to us. And we kind of are in denial that someone that you love and and care about think of so highly, would even do this. And so we're in denial, but we'll be, well, that's not going to get us further, is it? Other times we have to be honest that this thing hurts. Otherwise, maybe we, we don't communicate the full weight of the impact that this person has done to us. And so there, there's got to be that willingness to forgive, but there's got to be that confession of sin too. But let's not confuse confession of sin with actual repentance. Right? I remember someone said to me that confession is like the first step there. And we've got to keep going. And so as you see, we keep going to that middle ground there where there's some action. Uh, beyond just kind of a mind and spirit and heart, there's some action. There's certainly time here. Well, on the offended party side, what are we talking about here? Uh, we're avoiding sin on sin. I remember reading with this couple where there was uh, adultery going on for a whole year. That's just devastating, isn't it? Can you imagine that? And uh, the offended party uh, would go in and, and take like a, um, a pot and pan to just beat the guilty party up. With it. Now, on one level, you say you can understand that. Uh, you can uh, you appreciate the anger there. But that's just adding sin on sin, isn't it? Uh, you can understand the desire for all the information and control there. Uh, you can become very controlling if you've been offended here. And so we want to avoid sin on sin. At the same time, we need patience. As we talked about earlier, that walking in the Spirit, that, that uh, becoming conformed to Christ's likeness takes some time there. And so we have to be Realistic. Now, we do have to know when it's appropriate to overlook. And what do I mean by that? And that dovetails with the other box there on that same level there of gradual and immediate repentance. When you overlook something, it depends on what, you know, whether you should. It depends on what it is. There are times that someone has done something to you that I like to call, if you're going to have any chance at reconciliation, it's a never event. This thing can never happen again. There are some things that are very obvious here, like adultery. If you want any chance at reconciliation and you keep cheating on your spouse, I think that would be a never event. There are other things that I like to call more gradual events where we have to understand that impatience, uh, maybe it's the way someone talks. Maybe it's the way how, how loud and angry they can get. Uh, well, I'm not saying that's good, but I think we understand that those are things that take time. And those are things that, that, uh, that perhaps, you know, if, if the anger is, is transforming into abuse, verbal abuse, then maybe we're having a different conversation there. But there are other things, of course, that may be more gradual. And so there has to be an appropriateness of what are you overlooking. Uh, if you're overlooking a never event, that may not be appropriate. Uh, if you are unwilling to overlook something that is a, uh, a, a, um, a gradual kind of a thing that we understand, say, if it take, takes time, if you're not willing to do that, we're not going to get anywhere either. Uh, we may not be very reasonable there. And so we need to tease out the difference there, isn't it? Now, at the same time, the offending party has their role to play here, too. Uh, We can't go further if there's not some genuine repentance going on. You know, there's a lot we can say there about genuine repentance, but broadly, uh, we're not making excuses. We're calling the sin a sin. Uh, Some of you talked about culture and how you do this, and a lot of times, the culture just likes to say it's a little foible, it's a little weakness or or something, or it's just my personality and nonsense like that. But we have to call sin, sin. Now, let's be clear, if it's not sin, if it generally is just sort of a personality thing, let's not call that either. Otherwise, then everything becomes sin. And then, you know, what are we talking about here? So let's, let's be clear here what sin is. Uh, let's not make excuses here. Let's be transparent here. Uh, let's not, by the way, demand reconciliation from the other person. Again, too many times I've heard uh, in the counseling room or in my office, well, I've confessed. Now you need to take me back because that's what God does. Or, or the classic thing I've heard is I've changed. Buddy, it's been three weeks, and, and your wife has been dealing with this for 30 years. Or to be fair, vice versa, sometimes it's the husband who's been putting up with this junk for 30 years. Right? So I don't know why people get this idea, I've been different for three weeks, that somehow that, that equates to the 30 years. Now that's wonderful if you think that you've been changing over three weeks, but, but keep going. Uh, we need some more confirmation there. Uh, so we're not demanding. You ever, we ever see that with people, where they just demand that you reconcile? I would say you're not in any position to make that demand. Uh, you're not the one to make that request there. You let somebody else do that. Uh, there's other, other, other things of genuine repentance, right? You're getting help. Uh, you're truly changing because you want to grow in Christ, not just be free of the consequences. Uh, speaking of which, genuine repentance, you are accepting of the consequences, of course, whatever that might be. Uh, so you get the idea there. In that middle ground there, there's a lot. This is probably the one that takes the longest. If you look at this chart here. This is going to take a while, and unfortunately, sometimes you go a step forward, you go a step back. On either side here, by the way. On either side here. And that's, that's almost to be expected. This is why we need the continual reminder to keep on with these areas. We need the body of Christ. Uh, and then we also, as you see there, we need some outside perspective. We need some wisdom here. If you're the offended party, what, what's going on? Well, you need wisdom about reconciliation. Sometimes there's people who maybe are willing to reconcile a little too quickly. And I think I mentioned this morning, that's actually not good for you, and that's not good for the offending party. Uh, you remove the, uh, the impetus there for repentance, perhaps a little too quickly there. At the same time, sometimes if there really is uh, you know, objective people from outside who know you well, who you can trust, people in the church who are biblically minded, and they're saying, I think we can go in this direction, uh, sometimes you need a little prodding, don't you, especially depending on what's happened. And so we don't want to go overboard in that direction either. Now, I'd say for the the offending party, what do we have there? Again, we need some objective confirmation, don't we? Objective confirmation about our repentance. Uh, Too many times we're too quick to say that we've changed and we're good. And I think as Brett talks about many times, and I appreciate this, we can deceive ourselves. And oftentimes we're, we're not as far along there as we think on some of these matters. And so we need to be willing to have other people speak objectively as to what's going on there. Now, there's other factors I'm sure that we could add in there, but as you can see, there's a lot that go on here. And you note that I have the word possibility of reconciliation. I'm curious to hear from you. Should those words possibility of be in there, or should it just say reconciliation? What do you think? I'm seeing some, some yeses and some noes, so let's see what we've got here. Should the word possibility of be in there, or should it just say reconciliation? Yes, it should be. Okay, I thought you meant that it shouldn't be. Okay, sorry. So it should be in there. And some of that is hopefully, as, as we've gone through the passages and thought through it, this is not guaranteed. Biblically speaking, there are, again, there's some grounds for divorce that we see. No one's saying that that's a great thing and that we just always, you know, you know trigger happy go there. Uh, there's some church discipline that we saw about as well. But there's a possibility of that reconciliation. And again, if you are ever the offending party in this side of eternity, we we be sometimes, let's not assume that we need to take our sins seriously. You note that in the actions in time, I have things like uh, you know, the patience there. On the part of the offended party, be patient. But if you are the offending party, have a sense of urgency there. Don't presume upon that grace or that, that, that kind of that reconciliation there. Take it seriously. You can see where if we go the opposite direction, right? that, that one is being lackadaisical about it, uh, and the other one is unwilling. Well, now we're just further apart, aren't we? So again, we all have our parts to play here. A lot more that we could say on this. hope it's been encouraging. I'm going to close this in prayer, and after that we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much again for the opportunity to come together, uh, to think about uh, through your word, uh, through the wisdom that we have here of uh, the factors to think through in forgiveness and reconciliation. We thank you and praise you that you were willing to forgive sinners like us and be reconciled through us, uh, to us all through the shed blood of the Lamb. And so we praise you. We thank you for the work of the cross. For without it, who of us could stand here? Uh, We would all be condemned. We come to you not because of our righteousness, but because of your mercy and kindness to us. Help us to continue to strengthen each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next week.